welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler, and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry, and we are here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, uh, last session we sort of began talking about this big idea of identity that so many people are searching for these days in our culture, whether they're young people or older people, everybody is trying to ground their identity in something. And we suggested that that's probably for lots of different reasons, some of which may be that we're a couple of generations now removed from, you know, the family home or the homestead or down home or whatever you might have called that, the, 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 that, that place that you can kind of always go back to that your family was rooted and grounded in. We talked about how for some cultures, especially African-Americans in our country, that was ripped violently from them. They don't have that to go back to you. And, and that, that because of that, it creates all kinds of ripple effects in today's you know, society and in our generations today as they're searching for this identity and longing for this identity. We talked about the fact that we, you know, without those identities, we sort of go all kinds of different directions. Some of us go towards like a group identity of some kind. Some of it's like hyper-individualization, um, you know, create our own identity, um, you know, whatever that might be. And it's based on, you know, a host of factors and social media, of course, contributes to that and, you know, all of these different kinds of things. But, but I think down deep, Really what it is, and I think the Bible is pretty clear, that really what it is, is we're all longing for Eden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and in that sense, right, we've all lost our identity because we have been kicked out, exiled, uh, rightfully so, from the garden where we were originally designed, that, that's the place where we were originally designed to operate and to live and to be, right, and right. to walk with God in the cool of the day. and. And then we're exiled from that because of sin. And so we enter this world rootless, groundless, struggling, um, wondering who we are and what we're all about. And we create all kinds of idolatries and all kinds of things in order to try and fill that void that we all feel down deep inside. And then along comes Jesus Christ. And you know, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, one of the things that God promises you that you'll be given a new heart and a new spirit and I think on some level you could say a new, you know, that he's essentially saying a new identity. Mm-hmm. And that which was lost through sin gets restored. That connection that was severed is now repaired. And we are connected back now to as the source of life itself. And as a result, like I said this last time in our, in our podcast, we are given an identity that I think is profoundly durable yeah. and, and almost unassailable on right. some level. Um, which isn't to say that we're not going to have struggles or doubts or questions or fears or anxieties. Of course, we're going to have all those things because we do live in this world and we do struggle and we're not perfect. And, you know, we haven't yet got, Jesus hasn't returned and made all things new. So there's still, we're still in the middle of this sort of already, but not yet. We've been exiled, we've been restored, but yet we're not yet, you know, all things haven't been made yet new, that kind of thing. So we're sort of living in this in-between space. And so then in some level, we're going to struggle with, with our identity on some level, maybe, maybe our entire lives. But, but again, the gift of Jesus Christ is the gift of an identity that is supposed to endure. And not just endure in this world, but really endure for all eternity. Right. And so as you think about an identity in Christ and what that means, or you know, uh, theologians have put it like, they've called it union with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. That would be another way of describing what we're talking about, or whatever that might be. Where, if, if, if I were a student, and I'm, or forget the student thing, because you, you, mean, you work with students, but you also work with parents. If, if I were someone coming to you and saying, you know, really struggling with this, and saying, hey, like I go to church, and I think I'm a Christian, I prayed the prayer, I came forward, I, you know, whatever, you know, but I just don't, 
I'm still struggling with my identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Where would you point them to? I mean, maybe some of our listeners, right, are struggling with this very question. So yeah. where would you point them for, you know, in the scriptures for help or, you know, what direction would you give them? And then if they said, it may, maybe back it up even a step. What if they, they came to you and said, you know, I'm not a believer. Right. You know, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm aware of Christ and I'm aware of what he's done. And I'm, a, you know, I'm familiar enough with church to understand what it's all about. But no, I'm not. You know, I'm not sure that I need Christ. Right. I'm not sure an identity with Christ is something that I want. What would you say to that person to maybe, you know, help move the needle a little bit in their life? Yeah. So it's kind of a two-part question. What would you say first to the Christian Mm -hmm. who may be, like, maybe having some doubts, having some fears? Where would you point them to help renew them, encourage them, bless them? And then what would you tell, like, the non-believer who comes to you and says, hey, man, I'm not so sure about this whole identity in Christ thing. Like, why, why would I want that? Right. You know? Challenge, you know, throw down the gauntlet, <laughs> yeah. Robbie. Right? Here why would go. I want that? Yeah. You know, give me, give me five reasons. You know, that kind preferably of preferably in an acrostic, in, in an acrostic, yeah. yes, <laughs> something easily memorable. Yes, that would be awesome. You can remember the acrostic. Yes, yes. pantheon. Here pantheon. we go. Pantheon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think for the non-Christian, I would yeah. I, I would probably say it's because of a lack of imagination. And to the Christian, I would say it's a case of forgetfulness. That's the why they're struggling. Yeah. Okay. So for That's, the non-Christian, they can't imagine. They can't fathom uh-huh. the Christian life being better than anything they can okay. think of okay. right now. Okay. Okay. That's... That's what it, it comes down to, I think, when I speak with both parents and, and students alike. When you talk about real... I'll, I'll talk about real Christianity. I know right. that sounds funny as a qualifier. No, no, no. It's, it, it's people really important. Always versus go, cultural Christianity yes. versus other forms Absolutely. of Christianity. Even evangelical Christianity. Let's be yes. honest. That's yes. been co-opted, co-opted politically in so Absolutely. many different ways. So it's really important that we qualify. I say real yeah, Christianity. Christianity. Uh-huh. Here, here's what I mean. Yeah. And I'll, I'll launch into it. And then I'll say, the reason why it's not appealing to you is because you... You lack imagination. Mm-hmm. You you can't think of a life better than the one that you can achieve in your own mind right. without this thing called faith or mm-hmm. Jesus or anything like that. And and usually they'll say, Yeah, you're right. Because right. and then they'll they'll launch into their perception of what it means to Christ, be a Christian, and that usually is defined by things that are limiting. Right. It's you have to start saying no to right. things. Right. And that's, it's a really fascinating... Take you back to Leviticus. Start <laughs> yeah, reading yeah. like about bodily discharges. That's right. Discharges, Here we go. Here we go. Know, that's that how I wouldn't be able to cry. So yes. Like start in Leviticus. Yes. No, but... No, I mean, I'm saying they might take you back and say like, yeah, like, look, look at all these laws I, yeah. like in the Old Testament. Like, They're, what's with this, you know, you know, I can't mix clothing with two fibers. I can't right. do this. I can't, Absolutely. Do, can't eat shrimp. That's if they know, know the Bible. Well, right. But even... Right. But if, even, I, I find that even like people who didn't grow up in church... There's enough like sort of general cultural knowledge, Little at least arguments. where we are, yep. where they 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 kind of know enough, probably because they've watched a YouTuber who's an atheist who's Ranted. mocked Christianity yep. Yep. and who goes back and tries to use some of those biblical things to mock Christianity, mm-hmm. right? You know, playing off of this, like you said, you, they lack imagination. Usually, when I when I sit down with someone who is you know not a, not a believer, and I I suggest like I even make the suggestion that. There's something lacking in their life without Jesus. Like, like if you don't have Jesus, you, you actually, this is not something you ever get. Right. They're almost offended. Mm-hmm. Well, and in some cases they are. 
and they'll sit there and tell you right. why they think right. they can get it. Right, or, I can get that. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, well, you know, I mean, like, Jesus provides all these other benefits, and and if you don't have access to Jesus, you don't have access to those things. And they're like, oh, what are you talking about? And it's not a question of, like, I don't need those things. Right. No, it's it's a question and, of, like, no, I can get those things on my own. On my own, correct. Right? You know, so Without yeah. having to give yeah. up exactly. all these other things that all I All these other identities. My, that I'm afraid right. that... that God's going to punish me for something right. like that if I do subscribe to this faith. Right. So, Or even, just to qualify that even further, like giving up not just all these other things that God may be punished, all these other identities that yeah. I have, just to kind of keep it the, the, the focus there. Yeah. Like, we all have these identities. We all have mm-hmm. these qualifiers in our lives. And if I accept Christ into my life, He's going he's gonna to sort of decenter all of them yeah. in one fell swoop. That's right. And it doesn't mean that they necessarily go away. It just means that they like get all jumbled up and reordered. Mm-hmm. And with Christ at the core, at the center. Right. And that that changes things. And people don't don't like to give those things up. So now shift so, to the Christian. Well, I was going to yeah. say, b- before I get okay, really yeah. quickly, in, in college, I remember um, studying a... Uh, some sociologists ran a, an experiment about people and their identity. And they said, here's what we want you to do. We want you to... Uh, look at the relationships and identifiers in your life. So uh, here's a blank piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Here's a pen. And we'd like you to graphically represent the relationship uh, that you have to these people or to these things. And most middle-class Americans, this isn't going to surprise you, start with their own name in the middle. Oh, interesting. They circle it. Yeah, of course. And then every other identifier is like a spoke off a wagon wheel hub. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh So they would say, you know, family or mother, father, right? right? And and every one of those things is connected through that individual. Yeah. Whereas other cultures that are more, I don't know how to say it, but but, but not American. We'll just say that. Okay. Uh They'll often draw a series of interconnected shapes that overlap one another and they're, they're peripheral to some other greater identities. Right. right? So when I think of that for the, the Christian, I would say if, if you're mind, if you're sitting there going, man, I'm, I'm having doubts. I'm wondering when I said before, it's, it's a matter of remembrance. Mm -hmm. I think our propensity is to draw our name in the middle and circle it and start connecting other things in life through us. But if you start with the big circle of Christ, and you put yourself inside of yes, that. Yes. And then all the other things yes. are in Christ and extend out of that understanding. Yeah. That remembrance of who you were before Christ and what Christ did for you, mm. I found can be a catalyst for, I mean, even in my own life, to be mm. honest, when I get to the point of just going, man, I am not, I'm, like work becomes laborious or I'm not, I'm not functioning it the way that I know I should. Why is that? Mm -hmm. And I mean, just vulnerably, it's when I've, I've forgotten. Yeah. It's when I've got a a sense of amnesia and I've, I've started to try to do things of my own volition or accord. And I'm trying to gain recognition maybe for something that I've done. And you sit there and go, I need to remember who I was. I was, tired. I was exhausting myself trying to, you know, we've talked about this before on this podcast with athletics or Eagle Scout stuff or whatever it was that we were searching for. And when you go, wait a sec, God took this filth that was me 
gave me a new name. Yeah. Um, I love that in the Bible, how, yeah, how God too. changes oh the names gosh, of right. people, totally. you know, to go, you have, you have struggled with God, Jacob. Yeah. Your new name is Israel right. or, you know, Abraham. Abram, you're you're the a father, but now you're gonna be Abraham, the father of many. Mm-hmm. Right. And you watch what right. I'm gonna do. Your name is gonna be a reflection of who you are. And that idea that we do get this new name in heaven is just beautiful to me. And when I can remember that, it it reinvigorates me to yeah. keep doing what I'm doing, but not for my own popularity and my own success, my own rewards, but to go, man, this is teaching something I do. It's not who I am by definition. Uh-huh. Um, I, and I'm going to use these, these gifts for God. You know, it's, was it Mozart who wrote solo Deo Gloria at the yeah. top of all mm-hmm. of his music? Right. right. And it's then that you realize, wow, you, somebody gave you this gift of mm-hmm. musicianship. And if you orchestrate that properly and order that rightly, your music's going to be sublimely better than if you're writing it for man. Yeah, I think that's, I love that as a practical exercise for listeners who maybe like, okay, like how do I like work through all the different identities that I have, right? I love that idea of like draw a big circle, that's Christ. Mm -hmm. And now don't put him as like a spoke on the wheel that you're connected to as like one thing among many other spokes. No, no, no. Put yourself inside that circle, recognize everything you're connected to is in Christ, including you. Yep. And, and see how that changes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I was talking to my kids, right? They're, they're sort of beginning their vocational careers, right? You know, Chloe is a teacher in L.A., and right. Josiah is finishing up. He's going to be finishing up college in the next year or two, and we're talking about, you know, he wants to go in sports communication, and then Emma and Sophie and what they want to do and some of those kinds of things. And, of course, one of the things you figure out when you first start working, right, is, you know, oh, there's, like, parts of the – of like different jobs that I really, really like. And then there's parts of different jobs that really, really suck. And I'm not yep. interested in that. And like, you know, of course they're on the eternal search to find the job that the perfect where, job, like the perfect job yeah. where I love everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, guys that like doesn't exist. And so you have to think about, and this is a conversation I've had with all four of my kids. Who are you really working for? Mm-hmm. Are you working for the man or the woman whose sort of name is, on the, you know, manager's office, whatever, assistant to the regional manager, is that yeah. you? You know, or are you working for Christ? Because if you're working for Christ, then you can kind of put up with whatever nonsense you may be dealing with at work. Because you have your... there will be nonsense. Be, and there will be nonsense. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Right. But you have this, again, durable identity in Christ that right. says, even though there's nonsense here, I can kind of endure that. That was just a to say, stay in you know, toxic or abusive situations. That's not what I'm saying, of course, but, but it's, it's, everybody's got stuff and everybody's got to deal with stuff. And it doesn't matter what job you're, it doesn't matter if it's marriage, if it's a job, if it's parenting, if it's, it, it doesn't matter, whatever it is, there's always, you know, sort of really real benefits to those relationships. And then there's, there can be real losses in those relationships. Right. And the key is, is to understand that no matter whether I'm experiencing the, 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 blessing side of the ledger or the cursing side of the ledger either way i'm still in christ Mm -hmm. and that that has got to fundamentally change things like like i think the apostle paul says i know he does in colossians 3 17 16 17 he says whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the lord jesus christ giving thanks to god the father through him so there's a sense in which like again work play rest family time work time whatever it is you're doing it all in christ Mm-hmm. And that changes things. That changes 
realities for I you. I say that all the time, yeah. and, and young people look at you like you're crazy. Old people look at you I'll, like you're crazy, I'll man. Say, Trust yeah, me, dude. I say it all the time too. And, and I mean, you I, go, you your know, affection for right. Christ, it 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 changes things. Yeah. Like, I mean, taxes are coming up, right? Yeah, right, right. So everybody in Christ, gets, I do my taxes. Everybody gets the black and white yeah. look at right, what they've right. spent money on. That's right. There's no no denying no that. Deny. That's right. But I say, like, you're you probably don't think about it mm-hmm. when you're 12, but when you give your life to Christ, there's this there's this eye opening. Uh, moment that should sort of seep into all these other That's areas right. where it, and I tell my, my young people like it, it, it probably affects your clothing choices. That's right. It probably affects your favorites when mm-hmm. it comes to song selection or YouTube right. videos or whatever it is. And it's, if you start there, mm-hmm. then they don't want anything to do with Jesus. Right. Right. Because then it becomes, Oh, if I become a Christian, then I'm not going to be able to watch Right, the uh, YouTube channel that I've been used to watching, or whatever right, it might totally. be, yeah, yeah. or I have to give up certain music, have to, yeah. or whereas you if you say no, 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 it's like we've said, Jesus yeah. is better. Yeah, there's this internal change that happens. So that's where I think, yeah, being reminded of your identity in Christ should rejuvenate us for going back into the same office, doing the same right. job, whatever. And if we're not in Christ, it, it like wandering beyond the limits of our imagination mm-hmm. and going. What have you got to lose? Basically, like right. your your imagination is capped at this, and I'm saying Christianity is more. Yeah, I love that idea of rejuvenation. Like it, it rejuvenates our desires. It re yeah. it, again, it reorients everything about us. I remember when we were in, you know, the sort of the the first year or so after COVID, and a large percentage of people were not attending. Pepsi mm-hmm. in person, they were attending online. We had that option. Right. You know, we just encouraged people to do whatever they felt was best for them. Like everybody's situation was different. We, you know, had that phrase we used a lot, which is every, we're all going through the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. Everybody's got a different situation. We're not going to judge each other. We're just going to extend a lot of grace. And, um, but, you know, we want to give you options. We want to give you the freedom to make the choices that you want to make. So if you want to be in person, come and join us. If you want to be home online, that's fine too. And in the midst of that, we had a couple reach out to me and contact me, and they came to faith. They came to saving faith through our online worship service. Like, huh. you know, it was after a Sunday. It was like, you know, Sunday morning, you know, I do my normal thing, right? You preach preach a couple of services or whatever, and then I come back to my office to, to do what I always do, which is like pretty much work the rest of Sunday and, you know, kind of get caught up and get ready for the week and that, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's what I do. And um, I get this message, and it's from this couple, and they're like, hey, we, we were, you know, we've been tuning in for the last couple of months online. And today we, you challenged us to give our lives to Christ and we did. And I was like, awesome. So I'm like dialoguing. It was like on Facebook right. Messenger or something like that, you know, kind of chatting back and forth. And I was like, that's fantastic. Like, where do you live and who are you and what's your story and all that kind of stuff? Because I didn't recognize their names. Turns out they lived up in Golden and... um you know, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, as, as things kind of get back to normal, I mean, you know, obviously we'd love to have you be a part of Pepsi, but, you know, I'd always encourage a local church, a local body mm-hmm. of believers, right? Someone that you can connect with, flesh and blood, all that kind of stuff. And so, I, the, the, interestingly enough, like, the, the names were not obvious what the gender was. Okay. Right? And right. so about two or three or four chats in, all of a sudden, they come back and they're like, well, you do know we're lesbians. Oh, yeah. And I was like, 
well, no, I didn't know that. I don't know you. And, and, you know, I mean, it was, it wasn't like Pat and Chris, but it was something like that. Right. I mean, it was like, you know, <laughs> I was waiting for the yeah, name right. I know, I know, but I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't that obvious, but so once they said it, I said, Oh, okay. You know, well, I mean, again, tell me more. Like right. how, how'd you get, you know? And they were like, well, you know, now that we've given our lives to Christ, we're sure we're, we're pretty confident. The first thing you're going to want to talk about is like our sex life. And I was like, no, that's absolutely not the first thing I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about what does it mean to, to give your life to Jesus Christ, the step that you've taken, like what are the next steps you're going to take? Yeah, at some point in time, we're going to talk about sexuality, just like we'll talk about money, just like we'll talk about a lot of areas of your life, mm-hmm. every area of your life, in fact, at some point in time. Right. But I'm not going to lead with that. I'm going to lead with what does it mean to be in Christ? Yeah. And it was really interesting as we, over a series of you know weeks and a kind of a back and forth, um, as we unpack that, it was fascinating to watch them work out for themselves what they were going to do mm-hmm. now that they had given their lives to Christ. Like right. I didn't have to say a word, right. you know, I just, they began to work out for themselves what this was going to look like and what they were going to do in response to it. And I think frankly, they ended in this like space of like, Hey, we're going to stay together because we have kids and we're going to be celibate. Hmm. And I was like, amazing. What a, what a, what a faithful way to try and live this out or surrender your sexuality to Jesus. It was a really powerful thing. But they had come from this world where their sexual identity was everything Absolutely. on some level. Right. Then they had come to faith, and now Jesus was everything. And it decentered their sexual identity, and now they're having to make these choices. Right. But as I pointed out to him, that's just one area of your life. There's all these other areas that Jesus is going to want to talk to you about. And that's why we're not going to lead with this one area as if it's the only area. Right. We're going to lead with Christ. And what does it mean to have your identity grounded and rooted in Christ? And then I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit, frankly, to talk to you about a lot of these other areas. You can ask me any question you want. I'm happy to help you. Yeah. But I'm not going to like now go through your life with a fine-tooth comb and be like, oh, here, you got to do some work here. And I mean, that, that's not my role. You know, that's the Holy Spirit's role to sort of say, okay, we're going to do some work here and do some work here. And I kind of mm-hmm. shared a little bit of my own journey and how that's worked out for me. It's just a really fascinating thing to watch someone really, once they were in Christ, how that began to change and shape how they thought and operated in these other areas of life. It was really, really fascinating. So, I mean, I don't know if you run into situations like that where that's a pretty like obvious one, like where it's pretty stark and pretty black and white. I don't know if that's always the case, but but certainly that was a a pretty clear cut case. I don't know if you run into some of the same things where you work or not. Right. I just read C.S. Lewis's Surprised by Joy, yeah. like his conversion story. And it. I think as you're talking, he says something in there about the magnificent amount of trust a young person has to have in an older person saying, trust me, the way of Jesus is better. Mm. Yeah. Because everything else in their lives is saying the opposite. Right, right. And you have one or two or three individuals saying, I know the world says you should focus on self and fame and right. money and sexuality sure. and achievement. And, but I'm telling you, focus on Christ. Right. And all these things will be added unto you. That's right. Right. That's right. And it's, it, it is a, you're asking, not just young people, older people as well, but I feel right. sometimes older people have lived long enough to to give what you're saying a, a shot because they've tried some of those other things and have right. been found wanting. Yeah, 
I was going to say, they, it's, it's not because they're smarter or not. They've just been through more of life. Right. And they've realized, right. oh, yeah, like this is a dead end. This is a dead end. This is a and dead end. And young people right. almost, I brought this up in yeah. class the other day. They say, don't you think you learn more by personal experience than by just assuming the, the wisdom of another? And I said, well, I, think, I don't think it's an either or. It can be a right. both and. Yeah, right. But their argument was essentially we feel like it would be better for us to try some of these things and come to the same conclusion of you as you. Right. That way it will, our faith will be that much stronger because we'll have a personal experience as opposed right. to just trusting you right. for what you're saying is true about this faith. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, then that goes back to that old adage. It's like, well, if everybody jumps off a cliff, are you going to jump off a cliff? It's like how much personal experience does people really need to have before we realize like, don't do this. Right. You know, I mean, don't do crack cocaine. Like, right. I don't need personal experience with that to know that's not good, right? I right. mean, and there are certain aspects to, yeah, I mean, that's an extreme example, but there are plenty of aspects to life as well. Like, something like, hey, you know, I, I've been telling lots of, lots of young parents about this. You know, it's like, hey, don't discipline your children in anger. Right. Like, good idea. don't, don't. Don't do it while you're angry. Cool off first, mm-hmm. right? Don't just fly off the handle, right? There's enough sort of like general, like life experience of the community, the like go. the communal wisdom that's been handed down to us to say, you know, like I don't need personal experience with that to understand that's not a good idea. Right. Like, like the, the community, there's wisdom in the community that says, yeah, don't, don't do that. Right. You know, and I think, you know, and that again goes back maybe to what we were talking about last time about the hyper individualization, you know, these days where like the communal wisdom is sort of put aside. Like, I, you know, you guys don't really know what you're talking about. I can do it better. I do think about this, like, you know, kind of pull back a little bit globally. I've been talking to, again, a couple of my kids who, you know, they're more progressive politically, right? So they, they, they love this idea of socialism. Oh. Right. Right. That's, that's and I'm a, like, I'm like, okay, so young clearly, clearly you have not, you didn't live through what I lived through. Right. Right. Yeah. With the fall of the Berlin the wall, iron, curtain, iron yeah. curtain, like all of that kind of stuff. You didn't live in the 20th century when millions of people died in socialist countries because of socialist policies. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, you didn't, you didn't, you read, you may read it in a textbook, but in your mind, you're thinking we can do it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. We can do it better. And you want the opportunity for personal experience of that on some level, yeah. right? Yeah. It's so interesting to me, you know? And so again, my daughter moved out to LA, right? She's pretty progressive. She moved out to LA. Chloe wouldn't mind me saying this because she, you know, we, we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. And now she's out in LA and she's living in sort of a more progressive state. Right. More of a progressive utopia. And we're having lots of conversations about what that looks like, you know, in terms of like, dad, our taxes are really high and like gas is super expensive and like all these realities, right, that she's now facing as a result of these policies. And I'm like, right, you know, I'm like, right. So what, how, how are you thinking about that now? How does that change what you think now that you're having personal experience of mm-hmm. it? Anyway, well, thanks as always to Jake and to Billy, our guys who make us sound so very good. We're really appreciative of both those guys. Please keep listening to us in the weeks ahead as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus and have our identity shaped 
around him. We'd love to have your comments and questions and your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to the podcast. Subscribe to stay tuned as we release more episodes in the weeks ahead. We'll talk to you next time.